If there was a missing piece of information that is costing you money now or could cost you money in the future, when would you want to find out about it? Ideally, you would want to learn about it right now. It's best to learn these critical facts before you make any financial decisions because not knowing could have profound effects on your financial future. One of the best ways to make money is to avoid losing it in the first place. So we focus on all the missing facts to keep your money from falling through the cracks and we engineer tax strategies to reduce burdens on your income. Welcome to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast with Ken New from Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management. As a fiduciary advisor, Ken focuses on creating individualized holistic plans rather than cookie cutter portfolios. Listen in as Ken and his guest experts explore key retirement and tax strategies that every pre-retiree should consider to reach their pinnacle. Now, onto the show. Maps can show us our physical world, but there's so much more. In fact, we use the word map not just as a noun, but as a verb. We map our progress, or lack thereof, but we can also map the actual step-by-step turn-by-turn path to reach our goal. Ken New is here to talk about your path to retirement. But Ken, first, what do Chicago O'Hare Airport and this episode have in... I, I guess the way that I would say it to begin with is, for many people, we ask ourselves, am I on the right path? Mm-hmm. All right. So on this trip, I'm, I'm traveling to O'Hare Airport, and I've done that many times for business and pleasure. And this particular trip, I need to... I get to the hotel and get to meetings. So it's land, grab my stuff and get going. So it's rainy, it's windy, you know, that's Chicago. And it's one of those days. So I land, I make my way to the hotel pickup and I'm wet. I'm a mess. I'm irritated, aggravated. And to my surprise, sitting next to me on the plane was this man who was already there. Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, he's already here. He's dry. And so I go up to him and I said, you know, how did you get here faster than me? And you're dry. And he says, well, didn't you know that there's an underground corridor? (laughs) And it takes you here. You're sheltered from traffic. And you're going to miss all this weather. Now we're chat for a second. No, I didn't know that. And the hotel shutters show up. So we part our ways. And I'm thinking about this. And I'm learning now that there was always a path there. And I'm curious, I get to the hotel and I stop the staff and I say, did you know that there was a path to the hotel pickups that I could have avoided all this mess I'm in and so on? And they said, well, yeah. We know, why don't you tell people about it? Well, we've attempted to do that in the past, but you know what? It's a bit complicated. People get confused. So we just tell them to find the crowd and follow them. Mm. Sometimes I think that works, following the crowd. Yeah, it's, it, it is a strategy. Do what others are doing. And, um, you know, previously we've talked about uh, retirement income, tax deferral accounts like IRAs and 401ks. And we, we coined kind of the phrase that it's not what you make, but it's what you keep that counts. Hmm. So what are we going to talk tackle today then in relation to this topic and, and uh, a path? Yeah. So 
I, I think one of the things to remember, there's all different kinds of retirees out there. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about including high net worth individuals, business owners, uh, that type of retiree. And and really to begin that that whole conversation, I'll, I'll, I'll frame again what building a retirement income strategy looks like and then um, what it would look like and what it would likely cost. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's going to be different for different people. Everyone's got their own personal vision of retirement, retirement lifestyle, and so on. And that's very important to be able to articulate, to be able to talk about what your dreams are. What, what does retirement look like? Is it travel? Is it hobbies? Uh, are we going to uh, do some volunteering? You know, what does that look like? And it really gets down to like four basic themes, I think, that are we'll consider to begin with. And number one is just growing the assets. Uh, the growth potential of the assets that are to fund retirement really need to outpace inflation. Mm -hmm. And that would be a target there. And that's kind of balance that need for growth, though, with the things that are damaging to a retirement plan, that is excessive market fluctuations and actual loss of principles. So there's that balance there. We're also looking for predictable income a guarantee cash flow. And, and we see those really in the pensions and the social securities, but from there, we want to get income that we can count on and have it be predictable. Uh, there is a trade-off, I think, between the access to that principle and the returns that we can get on it. So there is the third piece, which is flexibility. The uh, access to principal is going to be more important for some people than others. Mm -hmm. And if we have access to that principal, it's, I think, important to recognize that we may give up higher return potentials. And the fourth piece is just a quote from Warren Buffett. And he has three mm -hmm. rules when investing. First rule is don't lose. Second rule is don't lose. <laughs> and you got it. The third rule, don't lose. All right. Love so, Mr. Buffett. Love Mr. Buffett. Preservation of principle. Yeah. So there is another consideration that that'll touch on and we'll get into, you know, as as time goes on on the podcasting, but really the underestimate that we see in a lot of financial plans and that has to do with the underestimate of life expectancy. Um, you know, the last generation, a couple of generations have just seen increases in life expectancy. And so I'll just kind of quote from the Social Security Administration. Their current numbers are a male age 65 today can expect on average to live to 84 and a female age 65 can on average live to 87. And if you're 70 and a male age 85 and a female age 70 as high as 88 on average. So you know what they mean when they say average. Right. That's kind of that midpoint, right? right. So some longer, some shorter. And, and here's the thing is, is that to underestimate that is really to the detriment of the strategy and to maybe underestimate and overexpect uh, would be a better process here. Well, one of the big fears I think a lot of people have is running out of money. And this is this is pertinent to that. 
it speaks to it very directly. Uh, the longer we live, especially with inflation and just the need to continue to fund uh, over time, then uh, yeah, it does. It has a very definite effect on that. Yeah, the the U.S. News and World Report um, actually has a world view on life expectancy, and one in three 65-year-olds are expected to make age 90 in the world today, and one in seven can expect to make it to age 95 plus. So we really are getting up there to uh, close to that 100 mark. Yeah, especially when you think about in the year 1900 in the United States, the average life expectancy was just a little over 50 years. Really? So we doubled it almost. I mean, it's just a much bigger number out there today. And here I was going to say, you know, the males who are 70 can expect to go to an average of 85. 85 really isn't that, I mean, it's up there, but it's not that old, old. In today's world, you're so right. You know, 85 is just so obtainable, uh, you know, especially with modern medicine and and uh, and all those. And, and that's really, I mean, it's the good news for retirees because there's more time for them to do the things that they want to do. But now that's balanced by that healthcare cost, which is getting us to live longer in many ways. Healthcare is much improved. Um, but there is the crux that gets us to, okay, longer lifespans cost more in terms of healthcare costs, likely. Hmm. Also, though, it also brings the outlive your money part of the conversation to light. So what do we do? Here's the thing. And, and we use this. I, I remember speaking a few podcasts ago about YOLO. Yes, you only once. YOLO was... Uh, was something I picked up on in a conversation. I had to ask, what is YOLO? And it's, you only live once. And so here is the balance of the conversation of all these headwinds that we have towards a, a successful retirement. But the balance is, is waiting too long to do those things that you dream of doing in retirement uh, may mean that you're going to run short on money. And the other is, is you may have diminished health. And so, you know, there's that balancing act of, you know, what do I go after now so that I can accomplish that dream? Uh, whatever it may be, a trip to Europe, um, sail around the world, or may just be, you know, more time spent you know, on hobbies and uh, visiting and family and so on. Uh, but the main thing is that there's a balancing act. And the reason why I, I kind of frame this conversation getting into and segueing on to the, the high net worth individuals, these are going to be people like corporate executives or doctors in many ways and business owners. And so what do I mean by a high net worth person? You know, first of all, they have the same kinds of aspirations, as anyone else, they've got dreams, they've got things that they want to accomplish, and they have it with a different price point than, uh, than many. And what that means typically is we identify that as someone with a five to $10 million net worth or more. Mm -hmm. So once again, these high net worth retirees have the same kinds of needs. They have the same kinds of aspirations that any retiree has. And they're going to have 
the same challenges, maybe a little bit different price point here, but they are going to have the same big challenge of taxes on income and taxes on growth of their assets. And so I'll, I'll kind of weave in a story here, a client story uh, that we've worked with in the past, and, and we've done this several times. So there's there's an easy way to relate to this. Here's someone who is a high net worth individual. In other words, they're making three or $400,000 a year of income, and they very often are going to own other assets. In this case, they own real estate. So they've already got a pension income. They've also got Social Security income. And they also have income from a real estate portfolio. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast, and I'm so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We would love to hear from you. But what happens when you own real estate, especially if you self-manage real estate, which is this example, then there's this work element to retirement. It shows up as work. Why? Because you have to deal with tenants and toilets and trash and all the <laughs> yeah. things that are all associated with all of that. And so that self-management of that real estate portfolio becomes a drag, if you will, on the retirement uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. All right. So that sets the tone for what it is that we want to speak about here. And that's the scenario. Now, the solution very often is, well, what if I just sell all this real estate? Okay. I've owned these 10 houses. I've owned them for 30 years. I don't want to deal with it any longer. And they come and they ask, you know, what would it be if I just got them sold? And what could you do with the money? So they want to monetize the asset. They want to turn it into cash flow and take the problem away. Now, their typical question is going to be, what are the taxes going to cost me? Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, okay, I've got a capital gains tax on this. And I know I'm probably going to have to pay 20% on that. So can you help me with that? Is there anything we can do about that? Now, what my comment would be is, is hmm, after I've learned the story and got the details and so on, I said, well, you actually don't have a capital gains problem. You've also got recapture of depreciation and likely that you're going to be subjected to a luxury tax is what I call it. Okay. A high net worth income tax. So I said, 20% isn't your problem. You've got a 50% tax problem. Of course, they're 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 shocked. Appalled. Yes. Say, yes. What are you talking about? That's insanity. And very often, what'll happen is is that we begin to walk through what makes this happen. Twenty percent capital gain. Yes, because the property has appreciated in value. Okay, so that's what capital gains are all about from a general perspective. But you've also depreciated these homes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I've always made a lot of money. And so we really knew that real estate was going to be great for helping offset that. So yeah, we've got depreciation on the real estate, but we fully depreciated it. The tax on a recapture of depreciation when you sell the property is 25%. Mm. And then I just throw in the luxury tax on top of it at 3.8%. 
and I get 48.8%, I just rounded up to 50 to get the retention. Now I've got the retention. And we're saying, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to sell the real estate and come away with 50%. And why would they? Right. I mean, that would be a big hit. If you're looking at a portfolio, uh, like in this case was a million two, you know, that would be a heartbreak to end up with 500,000 or some number around there, five or $600,000. So what I do here is I uh, introduce this conversation about a 1031 exchange. And so let me just kind of give the basics of what a 1031 exchange is. Mm -hmm. It is a an exchange of like-kind property. And so in this case, we've got business property, right? We've got investment property. It cannot be your own personal residence, right? So that's not part of this conversation. Now, this has been around since 1921. Okay? It's, it was put in place to encourage the reinvestment into real estate. A couple of the things that are going to be important, it needs to be equal or greater value. Okay, so in this particular case, a million two in value would need to be invested at a higher price point or at least at a million two. We need to identify the property that we are going to exchange into. So again, that's that like kind exchange, that investment property into an investment property would be a good example here. Identify it in 45 days and complete the purchase within 180 days. All of that is very strict and has to be followed to the T by the IRS, okay? Or it becomes what is known as a busted 1031, and that's not the end of the world, but it's much more complicated. What I do at this point is I emphasize the need here to do advanced planning and to use professionals, those that absolutely specialize in 1031 exchanges. The advantage is, is that in this particular case, we were actually able to 1031 exchange and create as much income, actually slightly higher income, net income to hmm. the investor than they were getting before uh, by using a 1031 exchange uh, strategy here. So here again, we didn't know that. Now we've started to open up this whole conversation. And what I what I do is I help folks to understand that these 1031 exchanges are like having a, an interest-free loan from the IRS. So instead of paying the tax on capital gains and all the other costs here, the, the investors are able to take that money and put the entirety into the next portfolio. So instead of having a net at five, six, or 700,000, whatever the number would, would work out, it's the whole million two that went into the new investment. Hmm. So why do I say it's like having an interest-free loan from the IRS? Well, I say that because now instead of paying capital gains tax, you're able to reinvest it into the next strategy here, which in this case, I'm proposing the 1031 exchange strategy. Now, I work on the Space Coast. We have a lot of engineers here. They love to ask lots of questions and they're forward thinking. So the next question is, is well, I've heard of this before. You can defer or put it off into the future. And... 
you defer, you defer, but at some point in time, we're going to have to pay taxes. All right. So then the question becomes, can I pass this on to my beneficiaries? And if you do indeed continue with this strategy and defer, defer, even if that property, the 1031 exchange property that you got into was sold again, then it can be deferred again. That's the second part of defer. It can be deferred a third time. It can continue on. But one day that owner will pass away. Then what happens to the property? I'm assuming it goes to somebody. It does. Now, here's why you take a step back and encourage, again, advanced planning and to go through a process to determine whether or not this strategy is in your best interest. Because in this case, I encouraged the spouse, the, the, the man of the family, to own that and continue to own that himself. When he passes away, he could pass it on to his wife and then it passes on at a step up in basis. Ah, It's yes. current fair value at that time in the future. And here's a great plot line here. You've deferred, you've deferred, you've deferred. And now you've passed on a stepped up basis. And all those taxes have been eliminated under the current IRS code. Right. Now, here's here's my fun line with it is, you know how they say that there's nothing more sure than death and taxes, except when you <laughs> pass it on at a step up in basis. But now, as you say, that is definitely planning ahead. You can't do this, well, when you're dead. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up a, a, a very strong point. You know, so listening to the story is compelling because the the elements and the strategy we use professionals to do, and um, and 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 it's all rock solid. I mean, it's IRS code and so on. But you've got to be thinking about this as time goes on. As an example, to break up that that portfolio wouldn't make a, I mean, you could do it piece by piece by piece, uh, but they're in a strategy in the selling. Uh, one of the things that I didn't mention that's really, really important uh, on the timing side of it is, is that don't go and sell the property and say, oh, I, I sold it and I got the check and um, I, I want to do that 1031 exchange. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You cannot take constructive receipt of the proceeds. And when you're working with professionals, they won't allow for that to happen, okay? And the other thing that's really strong about it is, is that each 1031 exchange that we have done, those proceeds have been invested within days after closing. There's no, oh, well, I got the check and we're going to send it to the bank and we're going to clear and it takes 10 days or, you know, all, all this kind of nonsense. It doesn't happen that way. You identify the property ahead of time. 
And as soon as that closing happens within a day or two, uh, we have funded that next program. So uh, again, this works for many people, but we've found it to work really well for higher net worth people uh, because they're holding assets in real estate very often. And this is one of the conversations that we have around a possibility for them to save significantly uh, in terms of uh, ta if uh, on taxes, if that's really appropriate for them. Again, mm -hmm. uh, the it, it's it's in the details is what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, if they're going to need to have access to the to the principal, this idea is not appropriate for them. Okay, someone who flips houses, they buy, fix up, and want to sell. Um, you know, it's not appropriate for a for a real estate flipper. But someone who is an investor and a long term perspective, this can be an ideal income source tax strategy source, and also an estate planning strategy, all rolled into one. Ken, this is fascinating, but as you say, you must plan, and there are definite goals, definite timestamps in there you've got to meet, according to the IRS. So how can people reach you to go through this with you? Well, you know, again, of course, we record these presentations and um, and all of our links to Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, they're all on our website, PinnacleFinancialWealthMGMT.com. Uh, so that's the website, but also the podcasts, uh, which we titled The Roadmap to Retire. Our, these uh, episodes are all on platforms like Apple and Google and Spotify and tuned in. So that's how they can listen and re-listen. And of course, you go to the website, then uh, you can make contact with uh, Jenny Giroux in our office and schedule a phone consultation, 321-454-3623. Love to go through the details and so on. Fantastic, Ken. So listeners, create your map. Follow this podcast to make sure you don't miss any episode of Roadmap to Retirement and be sure to share with friends and colleagues. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Roadmap to Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.pinnaclefinancialwealthmgmt.com or give us a call at 321-454-3623. Securities offered through Center Street Securities, Inc., CSS, a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Center Street Securities Advisors, CSA, a SEC-registered investment advisor. Pinnacle Financial Wealth Management, CSS, and CSA are independent entities. Discussions are meant to be general in nature and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consult a tax professional regarding any tax implications.